Hi everyone, and thanks for listening to Visibility, the monthly podcast produced by CID, the Council for Intellectual Disability. Here, we'll be telling our stories and exploring some of the issues that impact people with intellectual disability. To find out more about our work, visit www.cid.org.au. Now, settle in and enjoy. In the spirit of reconciliation, the Council for Intellectual Disability acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Hi, I'm Adele and you're listening to Visibility. Today, in the last episode of our relationship series, We'll be discussing friendships from the perspective of two people with intellectual disabilities, Sarah and Justin. To begin with, I have Sarah with me. Sarah, welcome to the podcast today. How are you? Hi, Adele. I'm good. It's great to be here today. It's really wonderful to have a chat with you and talk with you about friendships because friendships, it's just such an interesting subject, isn't it? Yes, friendships is everything from informal supports to formal supports and people that you can meet anywhere, network, then you can um, enjoy yourself, socialise with and have networks of people so you don't feel lonely, even especially in this hard time that we've been in where everyone's been doing everything online that you have hardly been able to catch up with people as regularly as what you would have done before. So Sarah, did you go to a school that had kids of all abilities? Was it a mixed school or did you go to a school where there was some like segregation where you were put in a special unit as they used to be called? I was in a support unit at Borkham Hills High School where we were able to go into class with support but you didn't have someone help you all of the years at school was in primary school it was just all one school there was no separate classes or one section for people with disabilities and one for mainstream so you were with all the other kids that were the same age as you sometimes at the school and then sometimes you're in the special unit was it trickier for you to make friends it was tricky to make friends most of them were there were people with disabilities in the support unit and they were around the same age and I tried to keep most of my friends from when I left school but then over time because they started getting busy it's they weren't able to like meet up as regularly to what they were and since then I haven't seen them for so long and every time I try and get together with them they just can't seem to come up with a date to catch up and see how everybody's going. Sounds like you make a lot of effort with your friendships like that you continue to try and contact people so that you can have those relationships. Yes, yeah, I do. But the question is, is where do you find them? How do you get those people to be friends that you maintain those friends for a long time? They get to know you, you get to know them and be able to have those regular conversations where you can catch up and see them and see how they're going and not just talk to them for three, four years or however long. and Perhaps we don't realise how much of a big deal someone just sitting and listening to you for half an hour, how much that can make a big difference to your day, can't it? Yeah. And it can make you feel just a bit better in the world. Yes, yes, it can. Do you have many friends without an intellectual disability? No, not a lot of them. Most of them are people 
with disabilities, one over in, in Glasgow who has a learning disability similar to intellectual. We've been talking quite regularly. Sometimes he's forgotten if, we've, if you know, not sure if we've caught up, but he'll always reschedule or, or invite me to dates and mates for online for for um, disco nights or learning disabilities week. So it, it is sometimes about being organised and dedicated as a friend, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is. It sounds to me like you make a lot of your friendships through your work. Yeah. And that you you go to actual organisations, you go to these places that are already inclusive, but what about the rest of like society? You don't know with other groups what they're going to be like towards you and whether they take advantage of you being a person with a disability and how much they know. Do you think that that's about your intellectual disability or is that about the world might know that you have a disability so in which case you've always been told you're a bit vulnerable? The intellectual disability, that you're also female and that you've been classed as being vulnerable from a kid. I still feel vulnerable as an adult but I think it's what other people put on me as well. Do you think that also might affect your friendships, that people might think that you're vulnerable and that maybe you wouldn't be a good adult friend because you're put into this other like cast? Yeah, I think that maybe that's what the, the, the friends are thinking and the others are thinking. What would you say to, to somebody who's never met a person with intellectual disability before but that would like a friendship? Never give up, always try, talk to the person and find out more about them, get to know them and you'll be able to enjoy things together and do things that both of you are interested in doing and you won't feel so socially isolated, disconnected and won't have to be going around ringing up looking for people that can help you to make friends. Thank you, Sarah. I'm hearing from you that you make lots of effort with your friends, that you'll, you know, that you try to keep people engaged and, you know, get dates together and stuff. So I wonder if it's about all of us putting in just a little bit more effort to get to know each other and have those gatherings and have those dates and and make sure that we all spend time together. Yeah, yeah. It's everybody putting in that time and effort to arrange dates to catch up. Yeah, exactly. And I think that a lot of what you're talking about is sometimes just respect, isn't it? Yeah, it's res- it's respect. Sarah, thank you so much for your time. Um, we really appreciate you sharing your stories with us and may you have more friends and more hugs in the future. Yes, thank you, Adele. It's been great to 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 be here. We're now going to have a short break and we'll be back with Justin to chat about his experiences of forming and maintaining friendships as a person with intellectual disability. You're listening to Visibility, the podcast produced by the Council for Intellectual Disability. If you're enjoying this episode, you can support us by reviewing us through Apple, Podchaser or your favourite listening app. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Visibility, the Council for Intellectual Disabilities monthly podcast. Today, we're talking about friendships from the perspective of people with intellectual disabilities. And now joining us is Justin. We're going to talk with you about friendships today and we've we've chatted with Sarah and she's given us some lovely insight into better ways that we can all connect regardless of our abilities and it's really great to chat with you today. So you're a man who lives with an intellectual disability. How do you feel that that's affected your ability to make friends over the years? 
Well, when I was young, it was, it was pretty a uh, big concern. From the age of 11, I wanted to make friends and hang out friends and that. But I struggled right through until I started going to jail. And then I learned they're not my real friends. So people lead me and do, do stupid things to get me in jail and that. So I stopped associating with a lot of people. And me being kind hard, I, I like to have friends and communicate and that. When we chatted to Sarah, she spoke about um, the difficulties in school and primary school and being in an educational unit and being separate from the other kids sometimes and that that was a bit tricky. Did you have that sort of experience at school, Justin? When I was separate and I was put in a special education class for people with disability ID and I did have some would-be friends in the normal school and normal class, made it hard. I started off in the mainstream preschool and that. And then after something happened to me at 11, from there I was diagnosed with ID. And then I was put in, uh, later on I was put in the SC class because of brain development order. And I remember before I went there, I had friends. I hung out with them weekends and that. But when that happened to me in the SC, I started seeing less people hang out with, at recess and all that. And so, Justin, when it comes to friends, if you think of friends that you you know are good friends now as an adult, what do you think the most important thing is in a friendship? I was realistic about my ID and I told them the reason why my ID is there. And I was straight honest with people as I got older. And the friends that that weren't my friends at school are now my friends because they understand me more than what anyone else they ever did as, as kids. Because when they're younger they're at um, primary school and they're, they're still growing up themselves, so they'll have no understanding. Kids can be cruel as well because when we're children, we're trying to learn about the world, aren't we? And so with that, having that connection and having an understanding of one another is one of the most important things in friendship for you. So how did you reconnect with people? Do you use social media for your friendships, Justin? Going back in the 80s and 90s, even 90s, we didn't have such thing as Facebook or anything. I need that I remember a lot of people's names and I just went to so-called a school, high school reunion that was talked about on Facebook. Left a few messages going, oh, do you remember me? I was just checking to see how you're doing these days. And did reaching out to, like, kids from school on Facebook as an adult, Justin, did you find that you had then good connections, that people were pretty positive? Yeah, yeah. It's just um, a few years later I might talk about it. Oh. <laughs> can you tell me what you think some of the barriers are as a person who lives with intellectual disability? What can make it more difficult for you to make and maintain friendships? Um, I just want them... To see me before making judgment, but, you know, like, the end of the day, they can do whatever they want to do, but they want to be my friend, so be it. But so far as an adult in my late teenage years, I've shown nothing but loyalty to friends and I'm just a normal human being. Just I treat people how I want to be treated back and they can see that. And probably back then, they probably wouldn't have thought about that, you know. Oh, how about if I treat them how I want to be treated back by you, know? Are you staying with a friend there or do you have a good friendship or connection up there? Yeah, I've got an old mate here who's actually 76. His name's Kevin. I met him at the car races and didn't realise that we're going to be friends in the long run. But, yeah, that was five years ago or something. And he notices I'm the only guy who rings and talks to him every day. And, oh, this guy really likes to communicate. Because yeah, it's me, I 
I used to be a big chatterbox one. So you're talking about your friend Kevin. I mean, he sounds like an influential friendship because you've been able to be up in Queensland when you've needed to and spend time with him there and you met at the races, so you have lots in common. But you've been friends for five years. What do you think is like the, the main ingredient for your friendship? Well, basically also he's learned how to trust me to take care of him at, at, at his best interests. He's learned that over the years. And so, Justin, you're saying that one of the best parts about your enduring friendship with Kevin is that he understands that, that you that you will take care of him as a person and that he would do the same for you and there's a trust that you built over the years. Mm-hmm. And that was me. I still ring all my mates and check on them, see how they're doing, you know, especially around this time, you know. I still call my mates in Sydney and check, see what they're doing, see if they're doing all right because it's not easy at this time of the year. Everything is it's basically it's about trust and being honest and being accountable. If something happens to him, then, you know, I've got to help him out, you know what I mean? And do you feel like that doing the checking in can be the backbone of a friendship, that it's just about, like, calling someone and making sure they're okay and having a little chat? I've caught Kevin out a few times in time of need where he needed someone to talk to and, and I'm there, like, I'd sit there for hours and, like, that's a good friend, isn't it? A friend who will listen to you for hours. I could. I, was, I run Carlos last night, and I spent three to four hours. Yep, yeah, you're right, mate. You're in Sydney. You're in lockdown. Yeah, you're doing all right. You hang in there. <laughs> the checking in and having a laugh is always, always helps to make you feel less alone in the world, doesn't it? The friends that that you kept around. What was it that you felt like? Look, I can trust you. You're a good friend. What were some of the ingredients to those friendships that meant that they've been enduring for you? Ones that aren't usually after any benefits from me, they're quite common. There's something common, and I think they want their fair and shares as much as I do. So I think I, I, I just like to be at the same level as them. Yeah, so it's about feeling like you've got a, a connection and stuff in common and that you're at the same level. Yeah. So in which case do you think that um, you've had a tendency to hold on to some friendships, even if they're toxic, just to have the to have company sometimes? I've only learned to get rid of toxic friends is because I know they end up leading me to go to jail and all that. And if you're real friends, they wouldn't be doing that anyway. Do you find it that people, like, make a judgment and maybe that's a barrier? I pick up on that one straight away because um, I'm very smart at that these days. I know how they can pick up on that. And usually when that happens, I end up just walking away from them. Yeah, so you find that if people are, are making a judgment... It's a waste of breath. It's a waste of breath, yeah. So friendship to you is about trust and about um, being able to rely upon one another and having common ground. And it's not always about me, but what I want, but you want to make sure that person is fine as well, you know, what they, you know, they can say, well, you know, this way it should be. Yeah, definitely. And so what would you say, Justin, to anyone out there who thinks, oh, gee, I've never met someone with an intellectual disability. I don't think I'd be able to be friends with them. What What would be, what would you say as like an, an, an act of friendship yourself? What would you say? When people say that, they say, well, you know, that's your problem, but I'm not looking at you like that, you know. If you got an issue, you got to put that aside. <laughs> Justin, thank you so much for your time today and chatting with us about friendships. I really appreciate your insights and I hope that you're staying safe up in Queensland. I hope you're staying safe down there. 
<laughs> and thank you to all of our listeners as well. That was the last episode in our relationship series. Next month, we'll be starting a series on COVID. So please join us then. Until then, stay safe and take care. You can support our podcast by leaving a review for Apple or you're listening at app of choice. Until next month. <laughs>